With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. is none other than Ms. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Hi, everybody. Now, our third person always, our third co-host is Mr. David Avila. He is going to be with us, but he's going to be with us in about 10, 15 minutes. Um, he's running a little bit late, but we are going to, he is going to have, we're going to have him with us. And later on today, in about 15 minutes as well, we're going to have our first guest of the night, which is none other than super middleweight WBC and WBO unified champion is Franchon Cruz Desern. And then later on in the show, we're going to have former fighter Terry Moss also giving us a call and letting us know what is going on. Um, I think she's having an event pretty soon, and she's going to tell us all about it. Ms. Franchon Cruz Desern, she's actually going to be – she's scheduled to fight on June 19th against – fellow unified champion who holds the WBA and IBF titles, Eileen Sederuz. That's on June 19th, and that's going to be on that thriller show with the main event being uh, Teofimo Lopez against George Cambozos. But Franchon Cruz will be going against former, I mean, fellow unified champion, Eileen Sederuz, on June 19th. But before we get to that, let's get to a little bit of the fight results from the last couple of weeks. Oh, and just to a uh, little uh, programming note, we are having the show on Wednesday because uh, we're going to be busy tomorrow, so we are going to be having the show. We're having the show today, and then we'll be back on our regular schedule every other Thursday on June 10th. So uh, going back on our fight results in Poland on Friday, May 14th, Ewa Piakowska, who's been on the show with us before, um, she scored a unanimous decision over, over Judy Wakazuli. Wahuzi in a six-rounder and 140 pounds. The scores there were 60-54 two times and 59-55. And that same night here in the United States in Chattanooga, Tennessee, on UFC Fight Pass, Heather Hardy lost a unanimous decision against Jessica Camara in an eight-rounder at 135 pounds. The scores there were 79-73, 78-73, and 77-74. Melissa Saintville scored a unanimous decision over Olivia Garula in 135 pounds, also in an eight-rounder with scores of 80-72 and 78-74 two times. And Kelsey Wickstrom from Northern California actually scored a majority decision over fellow first-timer Stevie Jane Coleman 
with scores of 58-56 two times and an even 57-57. That was in the welterweight division in a six-rounder. That was a pro debut for both of us. Let's start off with that fight, Lupi. I know you're a little bit connected to that uh, Kelsey Wickstrom. She's one of the beautiful brawlers, uh, part of your organization and the tournament that you guys hold in Northern California. She went out there and faced uh, somebody that was highly touted in the East Coast, C.B. Jane Coleman, who was also making her pro debut. And Wingstrom went in there and upset the apple cart, be- taking the majority decision. What, what did you see in that fight? You know, that was – they stole the show. They really did steal the show. I mean, C.B. Jane Coleman, she looked like – she reminded me of um, of Savannah Marshall in a way where she didn't look like anything was touching her. She looked very polished. Nice boxing. And then you had Kelsey who shows it all. And, I mean, but the age difference, like if Stevie was 20 versus Kelsey's 33, I mean, you have the age versus experience. And you have somebody who just refused to give up, didn't want to take uh, a loss on her debut, and and Kelsey got the win. I mean, it was a fantastic fight. I love the toe-to-toe. And I love, um, I think it was uh, the fourth round. Kelsey seemed to be losing a little bit of power. We were watching the punches going, wow, those punches are slow. And then all of a sudden, she got her win back on the fifth and sixth. It was amazing. I mean, that was uh, – they stole the show, right, Felipe? That was just an incredible fight. Yeah, it was probably – of all the fights that were televised, it was probably the most – well, I mean, actually, the Heather Hardy-Jessica Camara fight, which was pretty competitive as well. We're going to talk about that, that as well. Was good. But for being first-timers – for being pro debuters and first timers, and both of them having um, experience, you mentioned the age difference. Maybe Jane Coleman starting in a box. I think at 13 years old, her dad uh, had a gym in his backyard. Uh, her brothers also uh, were amateur boxers, but she actually is the only one that has gone pro from the family. And Kelsey Winstrom, I don't know her story, and you could probably uh, tell us a little bit about her, how she ended up in a boxing ring. Um, it was pretty competitive. You usually don't see that in a pro debut where you have two. Uh, you know, very uh, fairly uh, matched fighters going at it for the first time as pro debuters. So that was pretty interesting and pretty exciting. And, and there was a lot of action, like you mentioned it. Uh, what was How did Wickstrom at 33 years old find her way uh, to a boxing uh, gym, Lupi? You know, Kel- Kelsey goes back and forth, um, Muay Thai, MMA, and amateur boxing. I mean, we've known her. Um, she's been on the Beautiful Brawler shows a couple times and and she works with the beautiful brawlers. She comes from Reading. So her, I think, what, 28, she just uh, is one of those fighters. But I think she started with uh, Muay Thai. Okay. Now also on the card was Melissa St. Ville scoring the United decision over Olivia Garula at 135 pounds. Pretty workmanlike uh, performance by Melissa St. Ville. Garula is a little bit mm-hmm. uh, more aggressive. But Melissa, with her boxing skill, was able to um, control the action for most of the fight. Did you see the same thing? Yeah, I saw the same thing. You could see, um, I mean, you got to, Olivia fights everybody. And, yeah, you could, you, could, you could say exactly that, you know. I mean, I totally agreed with the decision. Um, you could see the experience in the ring, you know, with, between Olivia and Melissa, you know, and age catching up to everybody. But you got to – that was a, a good match, too. That was a good match. But, yeah. And in the main event – Yeah, that was good. Yeah, in the main event, Heather Hardy uh, 
Well, actually, Jessica McCamara scoring a unanimous decision at 135 pounds as well. We had Heather Hardy here. The scores there: 79-73, 78-73, and 77-74. And we had, we actually had both fighters. We actually had uh, Heather Hardy about a month ago, and then we had Jessica McCamara the week after that. And both of us spoke to us about that fight. Heather Hardy mentioned that this was going to be a little bit of a, of a uh, yardstick for her career. She had not seen action in almost two years, obviously because of COVID. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to drop down to 126 or even 130, which is more of a natural weight class. And she wanted to try out 135. Jessica Camaro, with not so much experience as Heather Hardy, but more natural lightweight than Hardy. And she was able to impose that advantage in size. And also um, her... She was very she, – she probably fought the best fight of her career so far, which is not that extensive, and she has about 10 fights. And this was probably her mm-hmm. best fight of her career, you know, throwing combinations, very precise with that right hand, um, landing almost at will that right hand, even Heather Hardy acknowledging the fact that, you know, that right hand was coming in um, as often as Camara uh, wanted to land it. And, and Hardy, although uh, has not – Reveal that she's going to continue as a fighter, whether it's boxing or MMA. Um, probably is a little bit disappointed with with her uh, her performance that night, uh, Lupi. Yeah, she was disappointed. Um, but Heather's done so much for the sport and in the sport. I mean, that's just the way the fight went. But you gotta. I mean, when Jessica hit the canvas in that first few seconds of the first round, I think the look on her face. And then I, that was it. You know, I don't think Jessica wanted – it really, I think, woke her up right away to what she wanted. It was exciting. And that was a, and that was a, a little bit of a, of a uh, you know, iffy uh, knockdown because it looked more like, mm-hmm. a, like, like, a, uh, like they tangled their feet or somebody tripped over and she ended up fall, going down. The referee was actually behind her when – um, when she went down, so I don't even know if he had a clear view of if she, there was a punch landed or not. But, you know, he deemed it a knockdown, counted it. Jessica kind of protested when she was getting counted. Mm-hmm. But at the end, mm-hmm. I mean, she wasn't hurt, and it didn't make a, a big difference uh, as far as the, the result of the fight because Camara ended up, um, you know, uh, pretty much dominating the the rest of the fight. Hardy did kind of come on a little bit more in the second half of the fight, but because she was more aggressive, Camara was able to uh, counterpunch her a little bit more and actually score more punches. So so at the end, Camara takes the biggest win of her career. Heather Hardy, after almost two years as uh, not in the ring, loses, and she mentioned it here on the show that a loss here will maybe have her think very uh, seriously about continuing as a boxer or as a fighter. So we'll see if she ends up um, announcing anything some, anytime soon. Uh, if you follow mm-hmm. her on social media, she's on vacation right now, actually. Um, so well-deserved, and she's out of the country. So we'll see what happens when she comes back on Saturday, mm-hmm. May 15th in Mexico. Selena Munoz, the former WBC Super Flyweight Champion, scored a split decision win over E.C.'s Vargas and an eight-rounder at 122 pounds. The scores there were 77-75 two times for Munoz and 77-75 for Vargas one time. And in Los Angeles on Saturday, May 15th, um, Gabriela Fundora scored a unanimous decision over Jasmine Valverde in a four-rounder at a super flyweight. 
scores over 40, 35, two times in 39, 36. Valverde was down in the second round. And if you don't know, Gabriela Fundora is the younger sister of 154-pound top contender Sebastian Fundora. And they had an, an older brother who also fought but didn't make it as far as uh, Sebastian has. And we'll see how far mm-hmm. Gabriela gets. But she does have a great team with Samson Lekowitz as her manager, same manager as her brother, Sebastian Fundora. And lastly, in the fight uh, results, Friday, May 21st in Mexico, Mariana Juarez scored a fourth-round TKO over Alejandra Soto when Soto did not uh, respond to the bell to start the fifth round. The official time was the two minutes of the fourth round, and that fight was a scheduled A-rounder at 118 pounds. And with us now is our third co-host, Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing, David? Hi. Hi, everybody. Uh, Apologies for my tardiness. Hey, David. <laughs> yeah. David, no problem, David. We all know that sometimes uh, things uh, get in the way. But, David, we just went over the fight results, and possibly the biggest uh, fights that happened in the last two weeks was actually that uh, UFC Fight Pass card um, from Tennessee with Heather Hardy losing a unanimous decision to Jessica Camara at 135 pounds. Why don't you give us your opinion about that fight? Also about Melissa St. Vale and that pro debuter Stevie Jane Coleman against Kelsey Wickstrom with Wickstrom taking the majority decision. Uh, well, the, the Hardy uh, uh, Kamara fight was an excellent fight. Uh, it's one of those things that when you're moving up, there there is a difference. People think that it's all the same, but there is a difference between weight classes and strength and and also in speed. Uh, you gain more weight, but you slow down. A lot of factors, but it was a great fight. I saw uh, Jessica look pretty good, and actually Heather looked pretty good too. Once she got a, it seemed like it took took about a couple of rounds for her to get going, but she kind of found her groove too. Um, but it was an excellent fight, and you can't ask for anything more. Mm-hmm. And then and the Melissa about, Saint Bill, she's yeah, go ahead. Uh, she she's um, Melissa. She she's always an action fighter. She gives a lot. Uh, she's never boring. She throws a lot of punches, and, and that's her her mo. And um, she's uh, she's still ready uh, among the top uh, fighters in her weight class. And it's funny because now her and Heather Hardy, who are good friends, are in the same weight class. But I know they're not going to fight each other. What did you think of that uh, that? That six-rounder at welterweight between Kelsey Wingstrom, who ended up taking the majority decision over highly touted Stevie Jane Coleman, the scores there were 58-56 two times and an even 57-57. Do you think the right hand was raised? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I had scored it that same way. And it was funny because uh, sometimes you get announcers and they they already expect something, and so they kind of announce it that way. And I, I remember hearing uh, one of the commentators, uh, one of the male commentators, saying that uh, the girl from North Northern California doesn't have any sparring or anybody to work with. And I, I started laughing to myself and thinking, uh, if he only visited the, the Bay Area, he would know that that place is packed with talent. I mean, they have so much That's talent. I don't know of any other place in the country that has that kind of talent. And uh, Lupe mm-hmm. can attest to that. Her sister is at the eye of the hurricane. Her and Lupi are at the eye of the hurricane with all these uh, 
female fighters there. They're really good. If anybody ever wants to go to a good tournament, go to Northern California because they got it going. Thank you. Yeah, I heard that comment too by the uh, by the commentators, but you know, I didn't even know who they were. The only one that that I recognized was the uh, 140 pound champion Callie Reese, who was also the color commentator on there. So I don't know who the, who were the other guys that were commentating. But uh, we went over the other five results, and now with us on the line from somewhere in the United States. I'm not sure if she's back home <laughs> or she's somewhere else uh, in her camp. Is none of the WBC and WBO super middleweight champion, Ms. Franchon Cruz. There's Jaren Franchon. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us on the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. It's not the first time that we have Ms. Franchon Cruz Zern here. It's not going to be the last. Um, so we thank you for being here with us on, in preparation for your fight against fellow unified champion, Aline Sederuz, on June 19th. And with that said, I'm going to pass the baton to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Franchon, welcome, and nice to hear from you again. Yes, likewise. Thanks for having me. Uh, Franchon, how did this fight come about that you're, that you're going to be taking part in on uh, June the 19th in Miami? Uh, how did it come about? Is that a Golden Boy promotion fighter, and you are a Golden Boys fighter? Uh, how did that come about? Well, it's something I always manifested. I spoke about it. I wanted it as soon as I got my belt um, I, uh, after my last major fight, and um, the stars just aligned and. Uh, I work with Peter Kahn now, and, you know, he has a lot of good working relationships with different platforms and different promotional companies, Golden Boys being one of them, and, you know, it just made it happen. It's an impressive fight card. It's going to be co-featured with the Teofimo Lopez fight uh, against George Cambosas Jr., and uh, what does that say? How does it make you feel knowing you're – part of this high-profile fight card, and you're one of the world champions. One of, I think there's only two, just you and uh, Teofimo? <laughs> yeah, well, they have, I think it's an eliminator happening and in in a, in a, in also a, a minor or another piece of a major title. Um, it's a, a great opportunity, and especially to have women's boxing on. You know, every platform available, Triller is fairly new. So also to be the first mm-hmm. woman um, to be able to fight in such a, a a huge fight means a lot. Like, you know, I'm carrying, of course, I have my personal goals, but I know that I'm representing so many other women out there. And it is a, a pay-per-view, so that, that means it's a big fight. Uh, anytime there's a pay-per-view, <laughs> that means uh, they're expecting large numbers because uh, I heard that the budget was pretty big for the fight card. You know, I I don't even think about those things because you know, every every time I get to step in the ring and I'm victorious, and also come out with my health is a is a is a blessing for me. Um, I just fight and fight to win. So whether I'm fighting in the back alley <laughs> or I'm fighting on pay per view, I'm just trying to win. <laughs> well, there's a lot at stake this time. I mean, you're fighting for undisputed super middleweight championship. Uh, and some people are saying that the winner will also be recognized by Ring Magazine and so forth. Um, how does it make you feel that you're part of this? Uh, you'll be fighting Aline Cederus, uh 
what's it make you feel like knowing that this is for the, for everything? Well, it's, it's something I've wanted since I learned about it and since I became pro, and it's something that I feel like the shoe fits me, you know. I feel like I'm one of the best, and I've always been the type to be the best when I have the opportunity. And just to, you know, cement my place in history and, you know, add another notch on my legacy is really, I can't really put in words. And I try not to let the, the moment supersede me. I just stay focused on the goal. I know it's important, so I just lock in and focus. And what do you know about Elena Cedru? So what, uh, what is, um, not your plan, but... How how do you see her uh, her style meshing with yours? Um, I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, she's she has a European style. She punches in rhythm. Um, she's tall. Um, I just I just know for me, I'm just focusing on being the best me. And I know I have the ability to box, bang, ball, do whatever I have to do to win. Um, I saw her fight with Alicia, and all I can say, I'm not Alicia, you know, as far as skill-wise and, and physicality. I'm, I'm a true super middleweight. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, interesting. And when they first offered it to you, uh, what went through your mind when they said, oh, do you want to fight for the undisputed title? I already wanted it. Uh, you, you heard my previous interviews. That was mm-hmm. the goal. I wanted to be unified when I got the WBO, so I got the WBO, and that was the goal. That was the goal always. So when it happened, I'm just like, let me know when and where and how much you paying. <laughs> <laughs> Is that uh, do, do you think that the pandemic kind of helped women's boxing? Uh, I think the pandemic actually, you know, it's hard for everyone, including myself. I think it gave women's boxing the opportunity to shine when you have the networks like the zone, you know, even myself having the opportunity to fight. Uh, you know, women had a chance to shine. I think we got a lot of people through the pandemic, honestly, and had some of the most exciting fights. So um, in retrospect, yeah, I think women's boxing was helped by the pandemic. I, I see. I noticed that uh, Bernard Hopkins often talks to you a lot. Uh, it seems like during the fights, he's right there. Uh, uh, does he ever give you advice, or does uh, is it just limited to when when you see him in the ring, or or does he give you any kind of fight advice? Well, he you know he's a fighter and he's my promoter, and he is like just a. To be associated with a legend, you know, I know some people feel certain ways, but what the man has done in the sport, like, you want to hang on to every word. So, yes, he, he, he's kind of like a mentor. I actually have a funny video on my post when we both were in Miami. You know, uh, he trained a lot down there and trained for some of his undisputed, his, his undisputed fights and, mm-hmm. you know, for some of his most iconic fights. So just to, like for me, if I see it, I can achieve it. And just to hear him and, you know, pick his brain, what was it like for you, it gives me, um, I would say, like, it just gives me great insight. And I'm just, I'm grateful to have um, a person like that in my corner. 
Yeah, no, he is a legend. I have to agree with that. Uh, I was there when he uh, knocked out Phoenix Trinidad in New York, and that was an incredible uh, atmosphere. Is that something you, you hope you achieve, a uh, fight in, in front of a big audience like that? Or maybe this, well, this fight you're coming up should be a big audience too. Well, I mean, I'm grateful. Like, you know, my pro debut was on the undercard of Andre Ward and Kovalev, even though it wasn't a lot of people. But, you mm-hmm. know, I'm I, I'm, I'm kind of used to those scenes. Uh, I think when I fought in California, Carson, on uh, Mexican Independence Day was a scene for me. You know, I walked <laughs> out to booth and then I left to cheers. And I think being able to win over a crowd, who is so enthralled and, and have such a deep love and respect for boxing just shows that I really, you know, I got something. I might not be the most technical like some people like, and, you know, I, I might not do everything that people like, but it's something about me. They see my passion, and that's important for me. Well, thank you, Fanchon, for speaking to me. I'm going to pass you over to Lupe Gutierrez, and thanks again, Fanchon. Hey, no Fanchon. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> hey, it's always great to hear your voice. Yes, yes, of course. And you know what? You're right. There is something There is something about you that people like. You know, yeah. when I think of, when I think of Franchon Cruz Desern, you know, I, I just don't think of the fighter. I think of a multi-talented woman. I think of a grieving daughter. I think of an athlete yeah. that had to endure so much pain following your Alejandra Jimenez fight. I mean, I think about a wife who shares a career in spotlight with her husband and a soon-to-be college graduate. You know, I mean, how are you really doing it, Franchon? And how are you making sense of everything while at the same time reaching your goals? Yeah, well, look, I, did, I am a college graduate. I did get my degree. <laughs> Awesome. You know, I don't know. I just, of course, the grace of God, and just I feel like the universe and ancestors guide me now because I, we we limit ourselves. We limit ourselves so much, and we let fear block us from a lot from our destiny. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm just like taking it one step at a time, and just when the opportunity presents itself, I just take full advantage of it. Um, the things I can't change, like being a grieving daughter, I can't change that, but I can take that feeling and turn it to something positive, and I just try to make sure that my mother's life wasn't in vain, so I just go hard every time. Yeah. So, you know, and congratulations on getting your degree. That's awesome. What's your major? Uh, business administration and entrepreneurship. Oh. See, so, I mean, you're already using it because that's what you do. Yeah, I try to be smart, not dumb, because I know if I went to college for something that I wouldn't use, I'd be, you know, heartbroken. So I felt that aligned more with my goals. You know, so not too long ago you said, I'm working on my legacy and making statements. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, of course. You know, like you said, I'm multifaceted, and that's a great um, that's a great quality to have. But I'm a fighter, and I, to be honest, I feel like I'm not putting the same 
like as as some of these other fighters, and I fight just as hard, and I, you know, I fought good competition. I just feel like I don't get the respect like the other ones when I have a deep amateur pedigree, and I also have done some cool things as a professional. So I think I just want to really focus on boxing and just dominate. So, so with proof, with proof of body testing, I mean, if they if they offered you the humanist fight again, I don't know where she is on that. If she can even fight, would you take it? You know what? It's never a question of being afraid. It's never a question of being outskilled. I don't know. It would have to be a lot of money for me and a lot of drug testing. I just yeah. And then, and honestly. I'm a person, I don't like negative energy. Like, <laughs> the way that, that people disrespected me, like her team and stuff, it's just different. I don't know. I don't know. But it has to be a lot of money. Yeah. You know, you talked about your energy, and, and I was also listening um, to something you said. You were talking about your energy. And I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but you brought up energy. So you, they were, uh, you were being asked about race. And you said, you know, you know what's out there. You know how people feel. But you want to make sure your energy is positive so you can probably melt somebody's heart. You know, some people would think, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to be me. But you you just want to be the best you and share that. Yeah. I mean, people, I, I love the fact that I can connect with so many people. Like I did VADA testing yesterday. And the people that came, they're from the Ukraine. Like they were American, but they were had, they were Ukrainian as well. That's their culture. And mm-hmm. I started speaking Russian to them, and it blew their freaking minds. And they just like you could see they were nice, but like you could see the twinkle in their eye. Like wow, this black woman is talking. Like <laughs> what? So for me, I just try to connect with people on a human level. And if they see mm-hmm. something in me that they connect with, that that means a lot. Yeah, and just that will spread goodness for other people, you know what I mean? Because they'll think like, well, friend, you know, the negative always, and you think everybody's like that, but, you know, the good. That's, that's you start what you can do but it's still some buttholes out there. So you just got to navigate and just be accountable for yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Franchine, so Peter Kahn, Golden Boy, Snack, right? Um, and my yeah. Bernard Hopkins. Am I missing anybody, or is there anybody or anything missing from your team? Oh, headbangers, Barry Hunter, uh, Patrice Harris, Jamie Harris, my whole squad. Um, yeah, and the cat. You have so you have <laughs> you have a great team behind you, <laughs> including the I cat. I think we're small, we're small, but we're mighty, and I, it's yeah. been a long, it's been a long time to get to that place. Like I feel comfortable. And I know that I have people that believe in me. So I just, I feel better. I think it'll make me a better fighter. So how are you guys handling your career and Glenn's career? I mean, you have to have a game plan, right, for both of you guys? Yeah, so he, he you know, we always strategize. And I know when I'm successful, it benefits our family and like and vice versa for him. He also works with Peter Kahn. Um, so, it's, you know, team design all the way. But um, I, I appreciate him so much because he had a fight lined up for the end of this month around this time, and he, you know, he put his his stuff aside to put 150 percent to to me and us achieving his goal. So I, you know, I just appreciate his sacrifice 
And then once I become undisputed, you know, Glenn's going to hop back out there. Yeah. You guys just toss it back and forth, whoever needs the support the most. Hey, can you share yes. um, Can you share what your colors are and what your vibe is for the fight night? Are you ready to or we'll, do we have to wait for the meeting? I can't tell you the colors, but I'm giving um I'm giving an ode to the Queen Bee, the original Queen Bee, not Beyonce. The most iconic female rapper ever, not Nicki Minaj. The little Kim Queen Bee. Oh, that's gonna I can't wait. Because your stuff is different, <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to keep I'm, you much longer but because I, I know uh, it's late. Oh, wait, one last thing. Hey, Franchon, for all of you out there, there was, when Franchon had that thing, um, the, the wig situation, and remember Snoop Dogg, yeah. he did something that he shouldn't have, and then he ended up taking it down, and then you ended up meeting him. What did you say to him, and what did he say to you? And we got to work together, and... Snoop Dogg is a legend in his own right. Like, once I got past being pissed off, and I was like, wow, it's an honor to meet you. But he was very respectful. Um, he told me he was a fan of mine. Uh, he's doing a great initiative with, like, put the guns down, pick up the gloves. And just, you know, meeting him, he was very charming, and he was really nice. That's great. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'm glad it ended up that way. He's probably scared me, too. Yeah, you know, if it didn't, I would have, like, told him glove up so we can box it out. <laughs> hey, Sir John, it's always great talking to you. It really is. I'm you gonna, too. Um, but I know you – we'll talk again. Yes, I thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry. I'm like, it's been a long day. I've been filming. I've been training my ass. It's all going to be worth it in the end. Good. I'm going to pass it to Felipe then. Take care. We'll talk soon. Okay. Hello, Franchon. I know that you're a little bit tired, so I'm going to make it brief. I just got a couple of questions for you. Um, okay. So I know that you mentioned a little bit ago, a little bit ago to David that you're, pre- you're really focused on this fight, that you're only thinking about this fight. But once you win and you become unified super middleweight champion, what what is there in that weight class for you, or do you plan on moving up or down uh, once you reach that goal? When I become undisputed, I'm going to stand at the top of my mountain, and whoever want to get this smoke, they can get this smoke. Um, like it's it's opportunities. Like it's a lot of girls moving up and down, and apparently some girls are mentioning my name, my name. So I mean, if opportunity presents itself, that makes sense. Of course, we can get it on and popping, but um, I'm cool at 168. I could possibly get down to, to 160. Heavyweight is nothing. I mean, my last fight, I was a cruiserweight. So it's, it's whatever, whatever makes sense, you know, but I want to hold on to my titles at 168 and defend them and then, you know, maybe one day have an undisputed fight with another undisputed champion. Well, that, that's my last question for you is that recently we've seen that the WBO and the WBA and actually the IBF I'm looking at, they've actually opened up a new weight class at 175 pounds, which is light heavyweight. The WBC has not come around to do that, but they will because, you know, the sanctioning fees are there. And then also a heavyweight, <laughs> we also have a, a WBC heavyweight champion. So is that something that once you conquer everything on 168, 
you're, you would be interested in maybe moving up to 175 and at least facing the champ there who, if she still is a champ, Anna Gabriels for the WBA at 175? Well, um, yeah, I, well, the fighting part isn't an issue. It's got to make sense. So, like, for myself, I'm just talking business-wise, put my business hat on. You know, I've worked and tried to build a brand and build my own legacy so I could stand on my own and ask for certain things. You know, um, it just got to make sense. They could come to 168 because, like, the person you mentioned, Hannah Gaber, she went from welterweight and skipped me. Everybody keeps skipping me. Savannah Monster, everybody keeps skipping me. So, you know, I'm just going to mm-hmm. sit here. We want to fight. We can fight. Well, now with all, uh, with all four belts, there will be a re- there'll be enough reason for them to face you, right? I mean, with two belts is enough. One belt is enough. True. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. You know? I mean, we wish you all the luck on June 19th, and then we'll keep uh, following the, the journey of French on Cruiser's journey. We want to thank you for being here with us. Hopefully you get some rest. Um, and we'll be yeah. watching you on June 19th. All right. Thank you guys so much, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you, friend Sean. Bye Have a great night. Bye. Right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. The WBC and WBO Super Middleweight Champion, French Sean Cruz Desern, who will be taking on fellow unified champion Eileen Cederuz on June 19th on the thriller undercard of Teofimo Lopez against George Cambosos. So pretty interesting. I mean, it's, it's true. And, I mean, it's a classic case, David, of too much risk and not enough reward. So yet to face Franchon Cruz deserves because she does mention that all these other fighters keep skipping her and don't really call her out when she's willing and able to fight anybody that is willing to get in the ring with her, right? Yes, yeah, she does have a good point. <laughs> what do you think, Lupi? Do you, would you rather have her go down to 160 and face Clarissa Shields in a rematch or Savannah Marshall or have her move up to 175 and try to see if anybody wants to meet her there besides Anna Gabriels. I'd rather have her move up and see what happens Why? there. Um, those are tough fights. I mean, um, Clarissa and Savannah, I mean, maybe that's a tough fight. Not that she can't handle it. I would just like to see her come up, get more fights under her belt before she goes after Savannah and Clarissa. David, what do you think? Do you think she 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 should move up or stay or move down to 160? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if she can move down. She says she can, so maybe she could be comfortable fighting there. But you know, sometimes when you go down, you get weak, and you leave yourself vulnerable to people that are. That's her natural weight. So that's one of those things she would have to explore, maybe, you know, like a non-title belt, just to to feel the the weight uh, difference. But I mean, for her, it seems like Luby. I think it's it's more comfortable for her to move up a little bit because uh, you know that's just an extra few pounds. The only bad thing is that there's not a lot of talent uh, higher up. That one thing. Um, yeah, you're right. That's that's the only minus for that. Now we are waiting for a second call 
uh, calling guest, which is going to be former fighter Miss Terry Moss, who's going to be telling us all about her upcoming event. But before we go to that, uh, there's a little bit of fight chatter. We were kind of holding our tongue on this one, but the cat is out of the bag. We knew about it a while ago, but we we weren't uh, able to say anything. And there's not much to say, but now it's running. Uh, it's making the rounds on social media that there's a strong rumor a two world title female fights will be featured on a Golden Boy Promotions fight card in July with no exact date or venue. It is said newly crowned WBA strawweight champion Sinese Strada Vistale will go up to light flightweight to take on Japan's uh, WBO champion Tsunami Tenkei, while Sulem Urbina out of Phoenix, Arizona will face WBA flyweight champion Naoko Fuyoka, also of Japan. If you follow Sinese Strada on social media, she actually had a meeting uh, this week with Golden Boy Promotions, kind of alluded that they were discussing this fight card, and she actually put a little comment saying, you're not going to believe the where this next fight is going to be at, like the venue. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be something that they've never done before or a different city, maybe out of the country. I think it's going to be in the United States. But, David, do you have anything that you can share with us regarding this fight card? Yeah, it'll probably be at the Bank of California, which is a stadium uh, right now where the L.A. Uh, football club uh, plays soccer. It's a professional soccer team, and it seats about 30,000 people outdoors. And uh, in a couple of weeks, L.A. or California is going to open up 100%. So you can expect uh, a large crowd to be at that Golden Boy fight card which is going to be on July the 9th is what I've been told. Who's the main event? Uh, supposedly it's going to be uh, Surdo Ramirez is oh. one of the fighters being mentioned. Uh, the other is going to be Jojo Diaz. Um, mm. And then, of course, the women that you just mentioned, mm. uh, Sanisa Estrada is, I mean, she's a big name in Los Angeles. And, mm. uh, Fighting in her hometown, uh, they, she's going to bring a lot of uh, her fans from uh, all over the Southern California area, and um, mm-hmm. it should be pretty good. The only thing is that yeah. the only reason they haven't really announced it is is always visas, and then mm-hmm. the other the other thing is that uh, there is a pandemic and Japan is starting to feel it now, so there are some oh, wow. little questions here and there. And I'll so bet, it having, looks like everything's good. Are they having it at that stadium? Because, I mean, I was, if it was non, non-pandemic times, Gilberto Ramirez can't fill that stadium, quite honestly, you know? So are they having it there so that they can have a large enough venue where they can fit, you know, 10, 15, 20% of the venue and have a pretty big crowd there? Uh, maybe that's partially it. Um because uh, you know this was before they released the uh, conditions, but but uh, Sudo he can't feel it himself. But what what I've heard is they have a whole bunch of bouts. It's not just one bout, but a lot of, of fighters that that have uh, fan bases, and uh, together they expect to to do pretty well there. And the other thing too is that sports venues, sports. Fans have been denied going to any kind of events. And mm-hmm. the fact that this is, like, wide open, they expect to get a lot of people, as mm-hmm. what a lot of people saw when uh, Texas had Canelo. Of course, Canelo's a 
huge draw, but nobody expected 73,000. And they True. think that uh, fans are just desperate for any kind of sport event where they allow yeah. them to come. So yeah. when do you expect when do you expect for them to uh, have a, a with, to officially announce it with with a, a, any issues with visas and all that taken care of already? Uh, it should happen within the next seven days, and it okay. might even happen tomorrow. But but wow. I'd say within the next seven days, we should know. There's just certain things they got to take care of, and uh, I'm pretty sure that they'll be announcing it within a week, or, or even by tomorrow. Could happen tomorrow. Lupi, what do you and think you know, of those two fights? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I. I love the fights. I like. I love the idea of um, versus Japan. You know, I mean, right now Sunisa's in, it, she's just unstoppable. Uh, the Salim Naoko, that's going to be a great fight. But you know, I had just seen. Um, so with the Tokyo Tokyo Olympics, they're trying to get the game shut down over there, and you know, they're also warning uh, the U.S. is warning Americans not to travel to Japan. So what is that also happening? in reverse. So I don't know, visas and then Japan closing. So I hope it go I hope it's all works. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of little uh, uh puddles that have to jump over uh to get that mm-hmm. thing going. Uh they're nothing too serious because even with the pandemic all they have to do is really test the the girl fighters coming over and uh you know, hopefully they, they, they test negative and everything goes. And yeah. um, they'll probably have to arrive a couple of weeks before the fight. And uh, so that's why things are being taken care of now and the announcements are going out. But I suspect uh, they're about 95% uh, certain of all the fights being made. Well, so that sounds to be a pretty exciting fight card, especially for female boxing, obviously. Uh, I think if Jojo Diaz is being mentioned, that is when he fights uh, Javier uh, Fortuna for the interim WBC uh, lightweight title. But it, when we're speaking about the female fights, I mean, that's uh, that's three world titles right there with uh, Jojo Diaz, Sinesa uh, Estrada, and Sulem Urbina. I find it quite interesting that Urbina, coming off the loss to, um, to Marlene Espasa, she gets an uh, uh, a world title uh, uh, opportunity coming right off that loss. So, what is the reasoning behind that, David? Do you, do you know? Do you think they're trying to work with Fuyoka, or 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 do they think that Urbina made uh, a good enough performance to deserve another world title shot? Uh, I think they see you know talent in her, and they also you know you kind of look at that fight that she had with Marlon. And Marlon was was uh, no, Marlon's an excellent boxer, but she it wasn't like she beat up uh, Sulem or Bina. She basically outboxed her. And uh, in this fight, Naoko Fujioka is one of the pound for pound best, and she goes after you. She's not out there to outpoint you, as we saw uh, Marlon do against Sulem. And Sulem likes that style too. She likes to go at it. Uh, She's, um, this is her opportunity to prove that she fought the wrong style against uh, Marlon, and uh, we'll see because it's going to be a, an aggressive fight. 
both fights are going to be uh, very aggressive fights. They're they're not the cutie type of fighters, and I'm not just talking that way because they're women, because men can be that way too. Uh, I think uh, they're going to go for it. There's going to be uh, two uh, strong fights, and uh, I think fans are going to be really uh, uh, happy about what happens after the two fights are done. It's really interesting, Lupi, that Sulem Urbina fight, before we go to Terry Mouse's waiting on the line real quick, Lupi, like this could be a, a make-or-break fight for Sulem Urbina because obviously she's coming off a loss, her first loss as a professional, and she must be really happy about getting another opportunity for her world title. But if she were to lose this fight against Fuyoka, it would put her, I would imagine, in a really bad place in, in her career, because with two uh, two losses in a row, uh, it doesn't paint a pretty picture. What do you think about the possibility or what her mental state could be at this point? I, everything you said is true. I mean, this would be like a make or break, but it was a lot of if she was to lose, a lot of people would side eye her. But I don't see Sulem. I see Sulem coming out. I mean, she's going to come out aggressive because she she knows this. She lost to Marlene. I mean. And, and like you said, she was outboxed, you know. She should have done more, and now I think um, – and she knows that. She's going to – she knows what she has to do. I think it's going to be a really exciting fight because of that loss with Marlene. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to be in the house for that because that sounds like it's going to be a uh, really yeah. exciting two fights. And with that said, uh, we're going to go on to our next guest, which is none other than Ms. Uh, Terry Moss. Let's bring her on real quick. Hello, Terry. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Great to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you for calling in to the two-minute round. And with that said, let me pass on the baton to Mr. David Avila. David, go right in. Terry, hi. How are you? Hey, David. It's, it's great to talk to you. It's been uh, since the last Hall of Fame, which was like uh, two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a great time, too. I, I, in fact, uh, I must confess that was one of my favorite times. Going out there, seeing everybody in the, the Women's Boxing Hall of Fame, seeing yourself, and and uh, yeah, we had a lot of margaritas. I must, I gotta admit, <laughs> it was yeah. a good time. Never bad times. Yeah, looking forward to the, uh, you know, the ceremony that'll be held in Las Vegas this year because it's been, you know, too too long coming for for women fighters to be recognized. It's, you know, it's a shame that we don't. Uh, get a, you know, we sh- you know it's a shame that more people don't come to that. So uh, hopefully, with the new venue that Sue's working out, you know we can we can see what what's going to happen with that, and there'll be a big turnout. And if we got two years of inductees, or, or maybe three, I think it's two years uh, that are going to be uh, you know recognized there. So it'll be you know it'll be good to see that coming coming back around. Oh, that's true. It's going to be a long class, then. there's going to be probably. No less than two dozen inductees. Right, <laughs> right. Looking forward to that. So, 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 tell us about your show coming up. Uh, uh, and how many shows have you put on? Man, I tell you, I, I, I thought I wanted to be a fighter until I realized I, I was going to be a promoter. So, uh, we've had so <laughs> many fights. Uh, um, one of the, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of dangling in promotions. But I have a gym in Atlanta. In case, uh, you know, some of your fans don't know, I, you know, we've got a. I'm very fortunate. I've got like a 25,000 square foot spot and we've got a couple of rings and, you know, we're in a a really nice area. We've got, you know, a high Latino population there and, you know, a lot of business, uh, financial, uh, (laughs) 
uh, wizards around there as well. And then we've got, um, you know, we've just got this big space underground and we've got, um, you know, uh, we're doing, still doing building, you know, we're, we're really fortunate, but it's, you know, it's, it's turned into a pretty hot boxing show venue over, you know, since COVID. So we've had a few, I've had a few promoters in the past that would come in besides myself uh, and do shows there at my venue. But now we've had, oh, wow, we've had, you know, Detroit, uh, Cincinnati. We've got some guys coming in from New England and Tennessee and then another guy coming from D.C. So we've got, you know, quite a lot of, you know, of interest there and people that, you know, basically do boxing shows there in my facility and then we, and, you know, this show coming up is going to be ours. So, you know, we've seen a lot of promoters come and go that, uh, you know, probably needed some help with their organizational structure. But I've done so many shows in my, you know, I've been promoting since 2010 of all kinds of, you know, I did a duel, a U.S. versus China duel in 2015. I heard you guys talking about Marlon. She actually boxed at my, um, at my gym as well when we did the U.S. versus China before all of them, uh, you know, actually I think it was at, at uh, Marlon and, Queen Underwood were the first, uh, you know, and then Clarissa Shields, the first three going to the Olympics. And then it was before the sem- the second Olympiad where women were allowed that we did this duel. So Clarissa Shields and Michaela Mayer and Franchon Cruz and all those guys are there. <laughs> so it was Whoa. very fun. And then, you know, beyond, but, but besides that, you know, I've done a lot of other, you know, amateur and pro and then, uh, you know, white collar boxing shows. So, you know, all that is really leading up to what we're doing now. And we're, I've got some pros of my own that I'm building and, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's given me an opportunity to really shine the light, some light on them. So I'm super excited. My, um, we've got Yuri Foreman as the main event. He's fighting uh, Jimmy Williams. That's going to be a really, wow. <laughs> that's going to be a hot fight right there as Jimmy's with the CES, uh, boxing. So, uh, and then that's the main event. And then the co-main is going to be my fight. It's, uh, Abel Aparicio. He's eight. No, um, and he'll be fighting a guy coming out of New Orleans. So uh, Juan Santino is his name. Um, and then we've got a really great undercard. We've got, um, you know, um, we've got Gordy Russ and Jamarco Holloway. These are some new up-and-coming pros. And, of course, we've got Floyd Schofield Jr. and uh, Nafir Charles. We've got, you know, some, a, a really nice uh, undercard as well. Eric Moon is just the guy from Atlanta. So we got some local guys in there. And a lot of out of town guys. So I'm I'm super excited. It's a, it's going to be a great oh. show, Dave. Wish you could come. You need to come. <laughs> well, one day I got to get out there. I've always wanted to go to Atlanta. And and oh, tell us about your show. What what day is it? How can people get uh, information uh, for tickets? And or can they see it sure. streaming? Yeah. So um, we, we've got Freeway Rick Ross is actually going to be doing the streaming for us. He's one of our partners in this particular show. And then um, we're trying to build some new partnerships. We've got a new, uh, I don't know if I can plug someone. We've got a new sponsor that's actually uh, sponsoring um, my fighter, my, my eight no guy. That's We're really excited about that relationship because tequila, David, is the tequila <laughs> So, you know, that you need to come to Atlanta to taste this tequila. So um, I don't know if I should say, you know, if you guys are allowed for me to put him out there, but if I, if you want me to, I will. But, um, and, yeah, it's a Real Azul. It's a like a top tier, um, a top shelf tequila. That's it's really a new company. So they've been. They're probably. I think they're in like 13 states right now. And then uh, this guy's super excited. So we're gonna have them all decked out in Real Azul. Uh, my fighter, you know, Abel Aparicio. And then the, you know, we're gonna have a ring match done and all that. We're really excited about that. And then, uh, but uh, you know, we've got. Uh, again, you know, some really great things going on. You can uh, the fight is June 19th. Um, 
And then, you know, in Atlanta, you know, with all the things that have gone on over the, you know, since the pandemic, you know, some of the racial um, uh, topics that have been pretty much the heat of the day, you know, we're going to try to address a few of those for Juneteenth. It's a Juneteenth celebration as well. So we've got a few dignitaries that that are uh, we're going to have there from the, you know, the African-American community there uh, in Atlanta. So, I mean, we're really excited. We've got a live band, you know, really nice band. <laughs> it's going to be playing in one of my two boxing rings and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great show. Tickets are available on our website right now. Uh, so you just go to the events page on BucketFightClub.com. You can see them in our, um, you know, our Instagram. We've got them in our uh, profile. You, know, you can just click the link in our profile and uh, on our Facebook page as well. And uh, we've got Twitter, you know, all that stuff. You can get them pretty much from any of those places. And then, um, you know, come on down. or uh, The stream, again, is going to be Freeway.Live. Um, that's Rick Ross's um you know his his streaming company. So we're we're going to be streaming the weigh-in, and then we're going to stream the fights. And you know we should have right now we've got 15 fights on that card. So uh, we'll probably wow. lose a couple. Yeah, no, it's huge. And that's the way the fight cards have been going down. You know down here because Atlanta's been open. We've been open for quite a while. You know I opened my gym back up in May. <laughs> we closed in March. I opened Jeez. in May because the governor said we had to. So even though it was pretty slow by by the end of September, we started picking up and we've been full steam ahead. Uh, with with the shows and the you know the members we have so many new members I got a ton of new fighters coming in and um, you know it's, it's exciting times for us um, we this is probably one of the busiest years I've had uh, since I've opened so uh, super pumped about that <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah no, but yeah June nineteenth that's that's gonna be it uh, Terry uh, thank you very much I'm gonna pass you on to Lupi I know she has questions too sure thing hi Terry. Hello, how are you? Good. We met at the Students Hall of Fame event, and we'll probably uh, see each other again at the next one. Right, right. I'm looking. Are you going to be there, David? Oh, yes. Okay, great. That's going to be exciting. So, yeah, Lupe, I remember meeting you. Yes, it was a pleasure. Yeah, I know. It's going to be great. I can't wait. So, Terry, I see that you're matching young female amateurs and giving them the platform to turn pro. Um, do you like the idea of taking nationally ranked amateurs? You had uh, Desiree Jameson on one of your shows, and Melody Propovat mm-hmm. is going to be on June 19th. Do you, right. like, yep. um, do you like that idea of taking these nationally ranked amateurs and transitioning them, transitioning them into the program? And, I love you know, that. You told us a little <laughs> Talk us a little bit about your 2015 show, the uh, Women's International. Does this all tie together for you? Um, well, there are, none of those fighters are actually on, you know, uh, yeah, they, actually most of those great fighters have already been signed with other promoters and things like that. I mm-hmm. do have Melody. She's my, you know, she's training with me now. So we're going through this first fight. And then, you know, after this, we're probably, I mean, I've already got her pretty wound up in the gym. <laughs> she's, she's buried in the, the, the fight club. So, but, yeah, we're doing this first fight, and then we're going to, you know, from here forward, we're going to determine what we're going to do together. Desiree is actually with someone else and came back into town to do a fight. So she was mm-hmm. from Atlanta, or she lived there for quite a long time, and I remember her when she was in the amateur. So, I mean, though we don't have any of those guys from, from that particular uh, era, we, you know, I'm super excited. Every time I can turn it, I haven't had a female pro in, in quite a while. I think the last time I had one was 2014 maybe. So this is this is a big deal for me to to get a new female coming back up. I'm you know especially Melody. I'm super excited. She's a really disciplined athlete, 
You know, she's good on the yeah. camera, <laughs> and she's got a great personality, and she's just really giving her all for boxing. She walked away from her career just to do this, just like I did. So I told her in a lot of ways she reminds me of me, you know, when I started out. But she's, um, yeah, she's going to do a great, uh, a, a great uh, entertaining fight, you know, coming up on uh, June 19th, and then, you know, we'll move her on from there. I think for Melody, it's probably a very short matter of time before we're, you know, picking some higher-end fights for her, so... Uh, she is. She 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 qualified fourth for the Olymp in the Olympic trials and the mm -hmm. past Olympiad, and she's done really well. Yeah, she's she's already highly ranked as a you know to be just making her pro debut. So I'm excited. Yeah, she about is. That. I mean, she's like number. She left as number four. I mean, it's it's going to be great. I'm really excited. right, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Terry, you're um you're a WIBA WIBF world champion. You're a fight supervisor, one of the first female cut men. You founded the Atlanta Corporate Fight Nights. You've been promoting since 2010. You're in the Hall of Fame. You're the owner of Buckhead. You're a grandmother. Um, but prior <laughs> yeah. to boxing, prior to boxing, you were a narcotics investigator. So can you yeah. tell us a little bit about the investigating and how you made the transition to boxing? Well, I tell people that uh, I, I stumbled into boxing, you know, it was a, it's like, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, you know, I had a friend that wanted to box and she, I followed her into a gym, uh, you know, we were on our way to an aerobics class and I, I you know, I, three months later I was still there and she was gone. So, but I, I would have never thought to go into boxing. Actually, the first, other than Muhammad Ali, when I was a kid, I mean, he was definitely, it doesn't matter if he was four years old, you knew who he was, you know, and your parents watched his, his fights on TV, but the first real fight I sat down and watched was Holyfield Tyson one. So that'll show you, you know, how, how, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't even know that women boxed. I had no idea. So just finding that the first time I went into the gym, that was probably like the year 2000 and I, or 99. And I went into a gym and saw some girls in there training. I'm, you know, with my friend and I'm like, Oh, I didn't know girls even did this. I thought it was kind of crazy, <laughs> but you know, I just fell in love with the workout. I was always, uh, you know, kind of into physical fitness, and, you know, I, I tell people when Olivia, Olivia Newton-John was getting physical, so, <laughs> so when, when, uh, when, when, when Richard Simmons wore those outfits, so did I, <laughs> so, I mean, I did all that stuff from the 80s, you know, the body suits, and the, I mean, I, so I was really into, you know, working out from the time I was about 17 years old, and back then, hardly nobody did it, it was a kind of eccentric thing to do, <laughs> So, um, the, you know, the first time I did the boxing workout, I was like, wow, this is crazy. I couldn't even make it through one round of pads. So I just, you know, I was, had super big respect right from the beginning. And with boxing being a small world, uh, you can get exposed to a lot of things really quick if you, you know, hop on the train. <laughs> so I, I got yeah. to do a lot of things. That's why I did the cup, man, because, you know, I was, they thought I was too old to box. I mean, the coach that I had at the time, he was like, oh, you're way too old to box. You can't do it. And, so I'll teach you this and that. And so he was a really good cut man, and Chuck Bodak was his hero. Uh, he's since passed away, but his son actually has a gym in the town that I first started boxing in, in Athens, Georgia. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, he uh, um, he showed me a lot of things that, you know, actually helped helped me, you know, once I, when, you know, once I wasn't the fighter, it helped me, you know, move on past that. So I was doing that in the beginning and then became a fighter and then went, you know, now I'm going back to that kind of stuff. So it did, it really it helped me a lot. But the transition was you know, everybody thinks you're crazy and your family is questioning your sanity and why would you do this, especially at the age I did it, which is, you know, it's kind of a thing about Melody. She's 35 years old, so, and just now going pro, I'm like, oh, you got about three years till you need advanced medical. <laughs> but still, she had this great yeah. uh, amateur career. So, you know, and I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Lomachenko, I think, was 
near 30 when he went pro. You know, it's, I mean, when, you know, uh, Katie Taylor, too, she went pretty far. You know, she went through two Olympics. Yeah. I mean, you've got a nice amateur career. It's hard to leave, you know, <laughs> and get into the yeah. pros. It's just a transition. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it was a, it was a big, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't the kind of thing that, um, you know, somebody my age could get praised for. Let me just put it that way. That's when, and my career went the way it went because it was supposed to. So I, I you know, was up and down. I never really having, you know, uh, financial backing or, you know, any of that kind of thing because I was just, you know, too old. That's why I only got to box for six years. But by the time I retired, I was, you know, about 42 and I, you know, had a set a Guinness world record. It was me and George Foreman at the time, the oldest world champion. So, uh, that's been broken since actually, I think, um, Alicia Ashley broke it and Mia St. John broke my record. So I don't know who has it now, probably Ashley, but as far as the oldest female world champion, she might be the one. So, um, but yeah, I mean, at least I did it, you know, it was hard transition, but, uh, it was also a lot of fun. You know, I've, I've, I love, I, you know, even though I work from sunup to sundown every day, I still don't feel like I really have a job. And, you know, the IRS still doesn't believe it. <laughs> They're like, this is just a really expensive <laughs> hobby. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's you, been fun. It's been you've really done fun. everything. You know, I, I spoke with Melody, and um, I asked her what she admires most about you, and she said her confidence and her conviction in boxing for sure. Women's boxing oh, yeah. is so much more than, of that. So, Terry, my, my last question is, uh, what, do you think, what do you think boxing needs more of? Or more specifically, what do you think – female boxing this oh, I, I do. I mean, for somebody that was, you know, in the position that I was, I mean, of course, there were the Christy Martins and the Layla Ali's that, you know, had a little bit of, you know, but they had this thing, you know, they had something going on. But the average girl fighter, you know, they just they just weren't making money. They, you know, we were fighting in five weeks. <laughs> you know, doing anything we could. It's like almost like we, we, we used to say, uh, you know, I, I know Misha Murchie. I don't know if you know her or not, but she's she's got a gym in and. She's in Australia in Melbourne, but she um, wrote a couple of books about her boxing experience and did some masters boxing and things like that, and we're really good friends. But she said, you know, it's almost like people want you to sit on a chair with your hands under your lap and say, thank you for letting me box, you know, can I, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just, you know, I mean, that's what it was like when I was coming up. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a lot meaner now <laughs> and a lot more confident <laughs> and a lot more determined. It's like the older I get and the more, the longer I'm in the sport, tolerant I am of the you know the lack of respect that women fighters get so and and I've had this conversation with Melody more than once I'm like what no no we're not doing that you know it's you know some you know if somebody brings a male fighter and it's not near her level and say oh you let her throw punches at him I'm like you are out of your mind you know and and, and so that's one of the things that you know all you know most of the females even today you still see that mentality where they just feel so grateful that they get an opportunity to be on a card or they get an opportunity I'm like you know we're fighters like everybody else and there are a lot of us there would be more of us if, if we were treated more like fighters you know so it's 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 still a tough road but you know for us it sat back when it was way worse than it is now I still have to say I like the direction it's going I see girls getting contracts with top rank you know Michaela mm-hmm. Mayer's the top rank and uh, Marlon yeah. Sparza. I don't know if she still is but she was with De La Hoya you know you got pe- girls with CES yeah. boxing and you got you know the Serranos and you know and then mm-hmm. of course Katie Taylor with Eddie Hearn so to me I'm saying oh you know at least they're seeing the value of the fight now you know that women's boxing is entertaining and you know, a lot of times people say, oh, that was the best fight on the card. And, you know, maybe some of it's because we have two-minute rounds where there's, you know, you got to be busier. You've got a lot more you got to do. But, you know, put it to three-minute rounds, it's still going to be a really good fight. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. I, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, it's 
it's time to move forward. It's definitely a snail's pace, but at least it's moving. So I can't complain one bit about, you know, what I'm seeing. At least, you know, at least female fighters are getting ranked now. <laughs> that yeah, helps definitely. a lot. You know, to see them on box rec with some stars next to their name. So, you know, I mean, it's um, it's it's a good thing, but we need a lot lot further to go. But um, you know, I'm I'm there, and I'm I'm. I'll kick it until I until I just kick it. <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, you you might appreciate this story. But there was a woman named uh, Sylvia Torres who used to be a strawweight boxer many 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 years ago. And when I first started boxing, I met her down in Miami. She was Cuban, uh, and you know Barbara Butcher. She, of course, you know we know who she is because of what she did. Yeah. Uh, you know her with the first women's sanctioning body and all the things she did. But they were in the same weight class, and I met her before I started boxing. Um, and you know she. She told me, you know, that uh, that when she, you know she told me her story about how it was for her being a boxer back in the fifties, you know what what that was like because at that time I think she was, you know, she died only a couple of years after I met her, uh, right in the two thousand. So she was already, you know, well well in age, you know, seventies late, I mean, close to eighty maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, when I look at what what she did, and now I'm looking at you know what I did, and I'm looking at what these girls are doing now. I mean, it's a slow pace, but it's making progress. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, it is. It's, it's definitely moving a little, you know, it's, I mean, it's, to me, it's better than female football. So, hey, if you've seen that <laughs> female pro football, you know, they got to wear underwear and stuff. So I, I'm not going to gripe about the boxing, <laughs> you know, moving. No, that's space. great. Hey, right, right. I know it's late where you are, so I'm going to pass you to Felipe. And it was so great to see, to talk to you. You and we'll too. See you and at the Hall of Fame. Guys to the Hall of Fame. I know. Yeah, so I'm looking really forward to it. Take care. Thank you so much. You as well. Terry, fairly quickly because I know it's late over there. Uh, uh, where is where, where is the fight going to be held? What the what is the venue? So the venue is my gym. It's called Buckhead Fight Club, and oh, um, okay. I can tell you the address: thirty two ninety three Buford Highway Northeast in in Brookhaven, Georgia, which is just we're like about an inch outside the city limits of Atlanta. Um, but we're, again, we're in the financial district, but a cool spot. It's the most diverse uh, area in the whole city. And Atlanta's got a lot of diversity. A lot of people don't know. They think it's just a Southern city, but it's really, once you get inside the city, it's very diverse. So um, yeah, it's, and that's where it's at. And, you know, we do have a website, like I said, bucketfightclub.com. We've got Instagram, Facebook, all that. Just look for Buckhead Fight Club and you can pretty much find us there. And how many how many seats are going to be available for for the fight? Ooh, that's the scary part. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we we can fit about a thousand people in there, packed in. So um, and you know in Atlanta, you know we we pack them in because there's just really no. I mean, fortunately, I and my fighters and my coaches, we've all been vaccinated. But uh, you know, hopefully, people are going to get out there and get vaccinated. But we, you know, Atlanta has been one of those cities where people come because there are no COVID, really COVID restrictions other than the fighters get tested. Uh, you know, there's uh, anyone that hasn't been tested can't be within a certain area of the ring, you know, certain feet of the ring. Uh, other than that, you know, it's, 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 you can pack, pack them in there, but you know, we, we're going to have, uh, you know, we're going to see, you know, try to keep people comfortable in there and take really good care of them. So, um, and we've got a lot of great entertainment besides the fights, you know, we've got, a mariachi band coming in, and we've got a, another band that's going to be in our ring, you know, playing music uh, for certain sets, you know, times. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a very entertaining fight for a club show. <laughs> but, you know, we're the underground fight club. We're underground, so that makes us a really 
interesting venue. <laughs> so um, it's the kind of place when people come in the door, they like this fight better than they like the one, you know, at a bigger venue because they just something about the feel of the fight club that just feels like you're at one of those old form fights in Philly somewhere, you know, where you're, you're just getting to see these up and coming fighters make their way. And that's really exciting. Well, you have it June 19th in Atlanta, Georgia. You look out for um, social media. Also, what was the name of the website where it's going to be streaming in case they're not in Atlanta? Yeah, it's freeway.live. That's a uh, Rick Ross, a uh, freeway Rick Ross. It's his uh, streaming company. So um, with the, the new relationship, yeah, we're, so we're trying to build something there. But, yeah, freeway.live. Um, I'm not sure if they've got it up there yet, but uh, I think they're going to stream it for like fourteen ninety nine, something like that. Um, but the good thing right. is you get to see the weigh-in, and the you know the weigh-in is going to be pretty entertaining. <laughs> so we're going to do a ceremonial weigh-in, and then we're going to have uh, you know uh, probably a pretty fat fight card. So we'll we'll see what pans out in the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, we wish you all the luck, Terry, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear from you again uh, in your upcoming event. And uh, hopefully, you have a great time and a great event. Oh, we will. Also, I'm sorry, I, I forgot about this. Uh, Michael Montero with Ring Magazine, he's doing a few uh, things on the fight. He'll probably stream a little bit of the action himself. So if you uh, check us out on Ring Magazine, we're not there yet, but we'll be there. We talked to them the week of the fight, and then they're going to do a follow-up story as well uh, after the All fight. Right, awesome. but, you know, club, club fights are going uh, back back into the scene now because of COVID. So. I think that's going to be their focal point, but uh, we're we're so happy to be a piece of that, you know, article there. All right. Well, thank you, Terry, for being with us, and wish you all the luck. Have a good night. We will. We do. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. All right. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you have former fighter and now promoter Terry Moss giving us some information about her fight card on June 19th, which sounds pretty interesting. Those fight cards, I mean, I know, David, you've been to a bunch of them. Um they're pretty. They're pretty uh, interesting and they're fun events. You know, when you got about a thousand people in a small venue, you got a ring in there. Oh yeah. And you get some. You get some pretty good fights there as well. So I'm sure that Terry is going to be something like that. Uh, sounds pretty interesting. So let's move on to the upcoming calendar. Our next show is scheduled back on our regular Thursday, June 10th. Uh, but our upcoming calendar on Friday, May 28th. Actually, tomorrow. I mean, in a couple of days. From Frank Segolini Lefebvre will take on uh, Uruguay's Gabriela Bouvier in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBC Silver Super Bantamweight title. And on Saturday, May 29th, um, in Austria, Eva Vorberger will take on Argentina's Vanessa Lorena Taborda for another silver belt of the WBC, this time in the 118-pound division. And this Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, go ahead. Was this the fight that was canceled? Is this a new opponent for Eva? Because I know her fight was canceled because her opponent had COVID or one of the teams. Uh, Is this a new opponent? It might be. I don't know. This one. I think this one. Yeah, I think so. And you know, that's another thing that I saw. Actually, let me look at it right now. Unless Um, she has a new opponent. I wanted to talk to you guys about it real quick before. Well, let me give you the last of the of the upcoming calendar. This Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada, on the Zone, Chantel Cameron will be defending her 140-pound WBC title against veteran Melissa La El Tiburon or the Shark Hernandez in a 10-rounder. That's going to be on the Zone, and also on that card, 
Ramla Ali will be taking the experienced Michaela Nebo in 122 pounds. I think that's a six-rounder. So that is the major fight card in the last couple of weeks here. But uh, a, a, a listener of the show actually sent me this interesting tweet. Let me find it real quick. Give me one second. Where is this? Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, here it is. So he sent me a tweet. Tina Rupert Craig, which, who is the, I think, 140. Minimum weight champion? No, she's the W uh, 105 pound WBC champion. She is scheduled to take on Katia Gutierrez of uh, Sinaloa pretty soon. I'm trying to see the date, but it looks like she. German, oh, here it is. This is from a Twitter account Tim Boxel, and you can find it at at uh, at uh, at Tim Boxel German minimum weight. World champion Tiny Tina Ruperke is holding a crowdfunding campaign to fund her next WBC and IBO title fight. You can read and hear more below. Ruperke's break-even goal is 40,000 euros, which is a lot of money. Um, so I guess um, she's having some trouble. I, I'm not sure. I don't know much about it as far as – well, it's in German. I went onto the page, but it's in German. Um, I, I, I thought she had a, a promoter out there. But now she's asking for money to be able to defend her title, David. What, what do you think is going on there? There must be some kind of problems because she did have a promoter, a uh, German promoter. And um, I know that uh, they were talking about her fighting against Yocasta uh, Valle and that fell through. And uh, who knows? Maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite interesting because, I mean, she has a title, she has a program. It's not the first time that we see this. Actually, it reminds me of the time that um, um, Kalisha West had to actually not get paid to be able to defend her title for the second time against uh, Ava Knight in Pomona. And back then, uh, Shane mostly was putting on the bike and hey, yeah, it said, hey, this is how much money there is, and it was only enough to pay Ava Knight and the sanctioning fees. And and although it was a draw and she kept her title, uh, Kalisha West did not get paid. So it looks like uh, I don't know if in that I don't know if in that uh, budget of forty thousand euros, there's a paycheck for Tina Ruperkett, but it is on box rec for July seventeenth. So she has a little bit over a month um, and a half to try to get that money. Um, and see if she could hold that fight card in uh, in Germany. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, well, one thing that we have talked about, David, um, and I've tried to get people to talk to me about it, but it's really hard to do, is what's going on in Mexico as far as, like, TV. There's, uh, there's a little bit of a shakeup going on with the TV networks in Mexico where Promociones del Pueblo, who was a major player in boxing promotion in Mexico, and obviously with a, a ton of female fighters like Barbie Juarez and Diana Fernandez and, um, you know, uh, Esmeralda Moreno, Kika Chavez, and so on and so forth, um, they're, not, they're, they're having an issue with Televisa, who was their TV provider, or, or the or the network that they had aligned themselves with, and they're not putting on fights. As we all know, Mariana Juarez just fought um, last weekend on a non-televised card. This Saturday, Kika Chavez, who used to be with Promociones del Pueblo, has made the switch and is not going to be fighting on a Stanford card here in Tijuana. 
but it has not been promoted at all. I mean, I don't even know who she's fighting. I only heard that she was fighting because I heard somebody else tell me, but nobody has posted anything that former world champion, two-divisional world champion, Kika Chavez, is going to be fighting this Saturday in Tijuana. It's not being promoted at all. So, there's a, you know, unless you're Jackie Nava, nobody's getting promoted in Mexico on TV right now as far as female fighters. And that is a shame because, as we all know, Germany, Mexico, and Argentina were three of the most, the biggest markets in female boxing, and now they're pretty much null and void as far as, as of right now. Yeah, it's a shame. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's COVID. We'll see if it's TV. We'll see. I mean, Argentina has not had anything. They have not had even, they're not even having fights. Jessica Tutipov, who knows what's happening with her. Germany, we see what Tina Rupert is running through. And then I just gave you what's going on in Mexico. So we'll see what happens. Let's see if once, maybe by the end of the summer, the world opens up uh, beyond COVID, things start changing uh, in Mexico and Argentina, and we'll see what happens in, in Germany. Hey, you know what else I saw today? Christina Hammer is still going for the Olympics, so Germany must have different rules. So are they are – they, so she's still trying to, like, qualify, or did she qualify? Yeah. Already? Yeah, she says that June is the Olympic qualification in Paris, but so different countries are saying different things, I guess. As well. Oh, you're breaking up. Sorry. Yeah, do, you know if Maiva, do you know if Maiva Hamadouche has anything to do with that tournament as well in Europe? You know, I, she hasn't said anything. The only ones we heard about were Tutti Bop and uh, Farias. That's it. I don't think. Yeah. She, oh, but wait. Okay. No, okay. So here she is three days ago, determined for these Olympic qualifiers. So she's in two? Huh? Still going for it, I guess. I don't really understand what's going on. Back on uh, the schedule, what do you guys think about the Chantel Cameron? With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 